Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Melanated Faith Podcast. And I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm joined by Ashley Williams, who is the entrepreneurial businesswoman herself. Okay, so I'm excited. Um, (laughs) We had another episode last season, I believe it was last season, called Pay Me in Equity. And we talked about Black women in business, you know, trying to understand more about how to advocate yourself, get paid what you're worth, all of those types of things. And so before we jump into our discussion, I wanted to talk about a few things that I saw when researching about Black women in business. So one of those things are how Black women are more likely to start business with their savings or their credit cards because it's harder to get capital, um, to get business loans, those type of things. Also, um, there's just not that same access to understanding how business works for some black women um, and just the things that were maybe not passed down to us, you know, in learning how we navigate that world. The other thing is, is that the pandemic stimulus actually helped a record number of black people start their own businesses, which is a big deal. So here's what I want us to talk about first before we jump into it and you bless us with all of your business knowledge because you've started several businesses. Um, But what got you started in your entrepreneurial career and did you plan to own several businesses? Was that even on your mind? It was not. Um, Honestly, entrepreneurship wasn't on my mind. I graduated from college and my first job was on wall street as an investment banking analyst and so it was all the crazy that you see on the movies Mm i didn't sleep i had a toothbrush at my desk and i also really loved the rush i loved the challenge i love new york city it was like my favorite city in the world but i wasn't fulfilled like I was on this huge $4.1 billion IPO and it was a big deal for the firm. And I remember all of my colleagues coming to me saying how cool it was and how awesome it was to be the only analyst on this big deal. And I was just thinking, this isn't it, you know, like this can't be the highlight, you know, like this, wow. I should be more excited about this than I am. And I wasn't, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. I figured out through this process of really like writing a list of things that I enjoyed doing that I would do if no one paid me that I kind of get lost in things that friends ask me for help with. I kind of wrote this list out and kind of meditated on it. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to run a business. Had no idea what business to run though. I didn't have like a hair salon or a restaurant or, you know, it was just like, I want to be behind the scenes and in the logistics. So fast forward to me moving back to Houston from New York, marrying my college sweetheart and realizing that he wanted to launch a gym one day. And I was like, we need to do it right now (laughs) because I didn't have a job. (laughs) I actually left New York to start a tea room business with my mom. And she was like, just kidding. I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm like, what? I left my six figure job in my favorite city in the world for you to just be like, don't want to do this anymore. Oh my goodness. It was awful. I was like, honestly, low key depressed. And so I was really excited to get the gym started. So first thing I did was built a, a business model, like built out financial projections and try to figure out you know, how to make the money make sense. Once we did that, we got with investors, we, you know, looked for a space, we got equipment. And about a year after that first um, sort of getting our business plan together, we launched the league. That was my first business. It's a gym here in Houston. It's like our baby business. We love it so much. We've had it for eight years. And eight years has gone by so fast. Girl, so I remember when you all launched the league. So I'm sitting here like eight years. Wow. Time flies. Isn't that wild? It'll be 
it will be eight years in December. Time absolutely flies. So much happened. Um, the, the business actually took off much quicker than we thought it would. I think a lot of that has to do with some of the planning that we did ahead of time. Ahead of time. We were like six figures in revenue in the first year, launched our second location in 2015. And it's just been like a crazy ride. Then we started having all the babies and it got crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first business. And then we actually invested in a restaurant concept here in Houston called Five Central. I think that was in 20... 17. I really hope okay. I'm getting these days right. And then um, I launched a small business strategy firm in 2019. And that was just because at this point, the league was a well-oiled machine. We had 12 employees. It was operating on its own. Systems are so important if you want to have multiple businesses. And I really had this passion to help others learn how to launch their businesses. So many friends and families would come to me, clients, colleagues, and they'd say, I want to launch a business. I just don't know what to do. And I, it would just bring me so much joy to do it. And so I launched um, Bird Williams, my strategy firm in 2019. My husband in the same year launched his personal brand, which is Terry the Trainer. It's been lit, girl. <laughs> we <laughs> yes. have another LLC we just filed for <laughs> earlier this year, which hopefully we'll be able to share about soon. It's just crazy. But it kind of like, you know how they say with tattoos, you get one and you just like keep getting more tattoos. Yes. It's kind of like that with business for us. But I would definitely say that if you want to be a serial entrepreneur, you're going to have to make sure your systems are on point because we could have never launched other businesses without the league being, like I said, a well-oiled machine. And also you don't always have to manage and work in the business. Like with the restaurant right. concept, we were just silent investors. You know, we invested in it. We were a part of the ownership team, but we weren't running the day-to-day. -day. Um, right. I cannot imagine running the day-to-day -day of a restaurant. And so, you know, it's different ways to um, own multiple businesses. That is so cool. And you and your husband are running these businesses together. Like, it's really, really cool to see that you're both doing it together. You still have your own brands that you're running and doing and collectively doing things. Would you say that like for the both of you, like your collective winning, even with your own personal brands are part of like your family plan? Like when you think of your overall plan together? Absolutely. Something Terry and I have always kind of centered our marriage in is like this concept of us. Like it's us and everything we do. Honestly, I'll just tell you our very first argument. I'll never forget this. Terry was my first boyfriend. So I didn't even have a boyfriend before Terry. I met him in college. Okay. I had a really tough high school experience being single my whole, whole, the whole time. But when I met Terry, we got in our first argument and he says this, he says, Ashley, remember, it's never Terry against Ashley or Ashley against Terry. It's Ashley and Terry against the situation. Right. And I was like, who is this man coming at me with this, this, you know, I was like so shocked because I wasn't used to being in a relationship or hearing this kind of thing. That's why I love him so much. But anyway, so that's kind of how we tackle things. It's never like his thing and my thing. It's like our thing. We're, we're tackling these different situations that we have coming up. But yeah, so the league is something that we, we were kids. We were 26 I think we were 24 and 26 when we launched the league. Um, mm -hmm. It grew. That's something we did together. And then now we have like kind of our separate brands, but it's all us. Like we we own it together jointly. He helps me so much with my brand. I help him so much with his. So yeah, it's definitely a, a collaborative effort. And I don't know how I could do it without him, honestly. Like it's such a it's such a great thing having, you know, your husband because he's as equally invested in the success. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I always think if I had a business partner who wasn't that invested, you know, because we weren't married, it wasn't the same money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Other issues and tension, right? But it's like he's he wants me to succeed just as much as I want to succeed, and vice versa. So, 
I love that. I love that so much because I think it's so important to have somebody that's just as invested as you are into the work that you're doing. And especially if it can be your spouse, I feel like that's just like even sweeter. Um, Okay. So I have so many other questions, but I want to jump into this one because I'm really curious. Everybody on social media sells this glamorous entrepreneurial lifestyle. You're going to quit your nine to five. You could be making $10,000 a month like me. All I do is work from my phone. I'm making money in my sleep, honey. Here's my new car. Like it's very, like you, you have FOMO sometimes because you're like, wait a minute, like what are they doing? How are they doing it? How can I get more money? And I very much so strongly, I very strongly feel like that can be so misleading for people who do not understand being self-employed. And I I had to learn the hard way when I was self-employed and got that tax bill back. And I said, uh oh wait. Okay. I said <laughs> I was like, I oh what? And so um thousands. And so I then- just think that people <laughs> <laughs> thousands. <laughs> When I saw that thing, I said, (laughs) you know, so Mm -hmm. I just feel like people do not understand that entrepreneurship can be great, but you're also on the hook for a lot of other expenses that you just don't account for. Um, But I would like to know for you, do you think that being an entrepreneur is the same like kind of stress as having a nine to five? Or do you think you work even harder being an entrepreneur and everything, you know, is on you, especially I'm going to say caveat, especially in the beginning phases when you don't have as much money to hire out to do all the, all the things. Girl. Yes. There's so many angles to this, this question, but I'll go with this first choose your heart. Have you ever heard of that kind of concept of choosing your heart? You know, it's like, you know, and not to get too deep, but it's like divorce is hard. Marriage is hard. Choose your heart, you know, being fit is hard and not being, you know, it's so choose your heart. What do you (laughs) want to do? Okay. And so it's the same thing with a nine to five in entrepreneurship. It's two different games. Like with me and my experience with my nine to five, man, I wasn't fulfilled. I could not think of waking up every day for the rest of my life, continuing to do this. I would see the directors and people like where I would get promoted to. And I was like, I don't want their life, you know? So for me, I, it would, there was no amount of money worth it to continue to do that, especially because I was so young. So I knew like now was a time that I could try to do all the things. Right. And when it came, comes to the work effort, like I work just as much then, you know, I'm on, I'm on wall street working in investment banking. So it's like crazy weeks. Right. Um, those, those, just like you hear in the stories. Well, I work just as much as an entrepreneur, but this is for something that I own. This is for something that I can, can control a lot more. You know, I have autonomy and I can be creative and I can take my ideas and, and, and not just have to, you know, be doing what somebody else tells me to do that I don't really agree with. Right. Right. Um, for example, when we launched the league, we're getting stories. So this is a, a warehouse gym here in Houston of people getting off their blood pressure medication, saving people's marriages because like they were this one woman was very overweight and just didn't feel like sexy anymore and wasn't, you know, being able to 
be intimate with her husband and getting into the gym allowed her to get back to that and now like save their marriage one girl was in an abusive relationship and she was like the gym was the only place where i felt strong and so she said she would come to the gym to feel strong and she got strong enough to leave that that you know terrible relationship so can you imagine me getting these hearing these kinds of stories and being like mm -hmm. yes i'll work all night yes i'll work my butt off and you know have to deal with all the like you're saying taxes yeah. and stuff actually changing people's lives it actually matters so it, so it's kind of like choose your heart and when it comes to like the tax situation like you're talking about uh, we had the same thing we didn't understand like what it means to have an s-corp status which we could have a whole podcast on you know mm -hmm. and how that can save you in taxes and how to use other um tax benefits as an entrepreneur so we were it was like Oh my gosh, so much money. Like what? We owe this, you know? And I'm used to getting a tax refund. All of a sudden it was like, no, you owe all the money. Um, so there's so much that, again, I try to share. I try to be the resource I wish I had back then when I didn't know so that people can avoid all of that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so many things that like I literally wish I knew. And yeah, having S-Corp status, that's like a whole other, uh -huh. that's a helpful uh, um, conversation. Yeah. What are some things that you would say are like key first steps that you think that people should consider before they quit their job and they start a business? So, you know, people get excited. They're like, I quit my job. Now, y'all don't know how much those people saved. You don't know how much those people were prepared for that before they made that big of a decision. Um, so what are some things that you would say you should have these things at least maybe lined up before you consider quitting your job? Yes, that's a great question. So first, I would really ask yourself if you have to leave your job if you have to leave your nine to five, because let me tell you something, that 401k and that insurance yeah. is nice, okay? And that is something that you're having to pay for and figure out when you're the employer and not the employee. So not everyone, it depends on the business. When it came to us, this was a warehouse gym. It's a brick and mortar business, you know, physical location. It would have been really hard for us to have a nine to five in, in our story and, and, and do well with the leak for it to do what we wanted it to do. Some people have online service-based businesses. So a lot of it can be automated to where maybe they don't need to leave, leave their job or maybe they don't have to leave their job from the very beginning. See, when we launched the league, a big part of our success was that for years, Terry had been on Twitter. Twitter was super cool back then, um, more than like Instagram wasn't even around. So he was just giving tons of incredible advice, tips, fitness tips, nutrition tips, so he built up this huge following so that whenever we launched the league, all of those people were like, I wanna help support this guy. He's helped me reach all these goals. So he was so generous. So you can have a nine to five like he did at the time um, and give free free information, start to build that community and audience so that whenever you do decide to go full-time, you have that support. Um, also, when it comes to just the numbers, I think that's probably number two. Anytime someone's launching a business, my first question is to ask them to make the numbers make sense, right? So you want to build out those financial projections. All you're doing is saying, this is what I project is going to come in. I usually look at it like month over month for the first year and then annually for like two or three years after. And then what's going to be coming out? And I think what's hard for people is that like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make this. I don't know what. The, and it's like, exactly. It's a projection. It's a guess. But you'd much rather go off of an educated guess than just be out here, you know, just like hoping things <laughs> make sense and, and work out. So that's the first thing I did when we, when I, like I said, I had that, that conversation with Terry, like we got to make this gym thing happen. I got into Excel and planned all of that out. That's super important because 
then you can say, okay, let's say you build out these projections and you see that you're negative for like the first five months and you don't reach profit until month six or month 13, whatever that is, then you can say, okay, for those six months or five months or whatever that time frame is, you know, sum up that that amount and say, okay, this is how much I need to either have for my personal savings or get through a loan or get from investment capital so that I can start and have enough money so that you're again, not starting to spend a bunch of resources, money, time, energy, when it's not going to even, you know, you don't even realize how much of that you're going to actually need. And another thing is most small businesses fail because they run out of operating capital. So when we did that, that when I did this whole process, I didn't just look at how many months would I be until I was negative or positive until I was profitable, but I also said, how many months of a buffer do I want of operating capital to kind of be there in case something happens, right? So you can build that into um, what you're gonna raise through investment capital or get through funding, which you know we, we can talk about that too. Um, number three, I would say develop a business plan. Develop a business plan. And so okay, many wait, wait, wait. Can- a business plan for my Etsy shop? Yes. Do, does my Etsy shop need a business plan? Absolutely. It does because you want to make sure that, it, well, and you know what? It depends. Like, I don't know. Some people go into business and they think this is going to just be a side hustle and I'm okay with it just being that, right? And not necessarily trying to grow this thing or make it big. Maybe you don't have plans for, you know, making it your own shop or, you know, doing more doing more with it down the road than to each his own. But just like you wouldn't go up to a plot of land and just be like, okay, let's go get some doors and some windows and some paint. And like, let's just figure it out. We got this. We can figure it out, guys. <laughs> no, you're going to have plans, right? The architect has, has gone before you and they are going to say, this is where the laundry room goes because it has to make sense with this plumbing and that and that, right? So it's the same thing with your business. You want to make sure that you have plans. And in that business plan, you want to think about your foundation. So things like your core values, your purpose, your mission, your per- like the problem you're solving and how you're doing so uniquely, um, your team. Uh, you also want to think about your financials. So that's kind of what we've already talked about with, you know, building out those financial projections. You want to think about operations. That's number three. That's the third pillar. And that's so important. It's what most people don't think about. But the systems is what will save you, right? Having those systems, that's what that's what you see when people are on Instagram flexing with their pina colada at the beach. And it's like 2 p.m., right? And you're like, man, I want their life. Well, they have systems happening in their business. Their business can continue to run. So you need to think about about your operations. And then lastly is marketing. And I leave that last because so many people rush to me with like, hey, I have my website, I have my, you know, logo, I have my Instagram handle, but what about your, you know, uh, financials? What about your financial projections? What about your operations? Like, do you even know the problem you're solving and how you're doing it uniquely or who your ideal client is? If you focus just on marketing, and start to get all these people coming into your business, but your operations are crap and you can't you can't handle the pressure, then they're gonna have a bad experience. They're not gonna wanna tell people about your business. There's not gonna be any organic growth, right? So you wanna think about marketing, it's so important, but it's, it's at the end, right? Um, so those are kind of like the four pillars of my business plan framework. I think that is so important. I mean, even the Bible says like, write the vision and make it plain so that you can run with it, right? So you wanna have that set. And then the fourth thing I would, say that someone should do if they are considering leaving their nine to five is think about mindset, right? Like really focus on the mindset shift from a nine to five to entrepreneurship. Number one, you're not going to have a team, like you said, starting out, right? 
you're going to have limited resources. We all have different resources. Some of us have more money. Some of us have more time or less time. But you're going to have to really think about what that looks like. I work with a client. We're having a strategy session. And she's a little bit older. And she was like, really, she's been in corporate America her whole life. And so now she's trying to launch her own thing. And she's like stressing out. She's like, well, who's supposed to do that for me? And who's supposed to do this for me? I'm like, you. (laughs) You are doing all the things in the beginning. And so you have to make sure you understand if you have that time, if you have that bandwidth, or if you can have the resources to hire people to help you with that. And you'd be amazed at what you can, you know, find a really great virtual assistant, you know, um, even if it's just five hours a week or five hours a month, you know, just to kind of help you in the beginning. I think that's a, a mindset shift you have to make. And then also just understanding that you're gonna mess up or fail or whatever you want to call it. You know, you're gonna have to kind of put yourself out there and look crazy and stupid and you didn't say it the right way. And you know, the video didn't go as viral as you thought it would. Or, you know, like you have to get over all that because it's gonna take a lot of that, right? I think that's so important. And just in general, learning to be adaptable. I think if there's the number one key to entrepreneurship is being able to adapt, saying, okay, that's not working. The data is showing X, Y, and Z. We need to switch. Even if it's like your belief, like your little baby product or your baby service that you thought was so great, but no one is thinking it's great, you need to go ahead and let it go and move on to what the data is you know, telling you. And then the last thing is just, there's not going to be anyone there to tell you you're doing a good job all the time, you know? So you're going to have to learn to encourage yourself. I know that when I left corporate America, I was so used to like performance reviews, right? I am an Enneagram one. So it's like perfectionist and reformer. So I need to know that I'm doing it right, right? And there's no one to tell me that I'm doing it right. I I looked at Terry like, Like, you know, where's my praise? Like, what's going on? Like, don't you see my amazing Excel file? And he's like, what? You know? So Mm -hmm. sometimes you're going to have to encourage your own self and say, look, you're doing great. Keep moving. So I think those are some of the mindset shifts. But that's so important to think about how is my life going to be different? How is my work going to be different? How am I going to have to show up differently now that I'm going into entrepreneurship versus this nine to five? I really think people underestimate all the things that you're just talking about because it takes mental fortitude to say, I'm going to show up and do this work that is expected of me. Nobody's motivating me to do it, but me, I have to do it. I'm all of those people until like you're saying, I can look at these projections and say, at this point, I can afford to pay someone, you know, a few hours a week to do some things for me. Um, eventually pay an accountant or use QuickBooks or use some of these other things to, you know, facilitate payments within my business and all of these things. It's not as easy, I would say, as people feel like it is. Um, And to be honest, most people who are influencing and doing certain things on social media, a lot of them don't even have LLCs or start off having those types of practices until they get further into it. And then they're like, oh, let me backtrack, right? So I think that there's a lot to be said. And I always say this, like, you know, Instagram is the highlight. It is a highlight of our life. It is not every day of our life. Um, I'm not posting all my all my everyday happenings on the internet, right? So um, we're getting highlights, you know, of people's lives and what they're doing too and what, you know, their businesses are, right? So this isn't the full picture. We're getting a piece of the picture. So I think that's why it's so important what you're saying because people otherwise wouldn't really have an accurate picture of where to start to even achieve what you're talking about based on, 
a, a glamorous snapshot of what it means to be a business owner, right? 1000%. It's, I, I always say, you know, people have like entrepreneurship so sexy, hashtag, you know, be my own boss. It's like, yeah. it's really hard to be your own boss. You know what I mean? It's really, and you're not really your own boss because it kind of feels like your clients are your boss, your team is your boss, like in a way, because this is something that you've worked so hard for. I care that my team is empowered. I care that my clients feel valued, right? So yeah, it's not as sexy and glamorous as it looks. And if you think about it, it's hard for business owners to be too transparent when it comes to like what's going on behind the scenes in their business, because it could affect their business, right? So you are very much so just seeing the highlight reel. They can't be like, oh man, I lost my best team member <laughs> the other day. Hope this works out. All, all of you who just bought for me, you know, they're not going to do that. So you're only seeing the glamour and I don't want it to be misleading. Yeah. What has been one of the more challenging, you know, things about um, being a Black woman in business and, you know, working in, with investors, things like that. I think those, they're, there are some mistakes and challenges and sometimes they go hand in hand. So whatever like comes up for you, like as you're thinking, but what are some things you see? What are some of the challenges when you're raising capital, doing those things, being a black woman in this space? Um, Cause I think that will help people to realize that there's a lot more to navigate in business beyond the marketing piece, right? So this generation is very much so, I got my TikTok, I got my Instagram, I got those things, but that's not really the business business side of making right. it work. Like people are starting off at marketing, right? Before they right. really get to, before they're actually, they're starting off at your step four, right? Your step four yes. is their step yes. one. Yes. So um, yeah, so anyways, but what are some of those common mistakes and challenges and then, you know, what have you learned, you know, in your own journey too? Absolutely. That's a great question. And yes, exactly. Everything you said is so true. So the first thing I would say, well, the main thing I would say is, okay, whenever I left New York, my director at the time, she knew that I was leaving to go into entrepreneurship. Remember, I was going to be opening this tea room with my mom. She was like, Ashley, make sure that you do two things. You get a CPA and you get an attorney. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, then I go fast forward to start looking into, you know, CPAs and attorney and those hourly rates. I was like, what? You charge what? Yes, all the money. And I was like, you know what? I took this law class <laughs> in school. I'm pretty sure I could handle these contracts. I like low-key like to read contracts too. So I was like, it's fine. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm a finance major. I'm sure I could figure out the accounting. No, ma'am. Those were our two biz big, biggest mistakes. And I hate it because she gave us like the game. She told us like, go into it. The first thing you want to do is get that. And it's again, because of like what we we're talking about earlier, there are so many tax advantages you could have. You want to take advantage of business ownership and what it can afford you. And we weren't taking advantage of any of that. So, and, and, and to your point about like being, being a black woman, you know, I was the first in my family to go to college, you know, and I have a huge family. My dad has six brothers and sisters. My mom has nine brothers and sisters. I might be getting those numbers wrong, but something like that. <laughs> and, you know, I was the first on both sides to even go to college and graduate, right? And so to, to start a business and to be navigating all these things, I was the first and I'm trying to figure it out. So it's not like I have a great example, right? Um, and then when it came to, you know, access to capital, right? It just was like, 
you know, it was real out here. And we actually, with our investment process, and I'm happy to kind of share, you know, we had for the league, we had seven investors and they, their investments ranged from $3,000 to $20,000. And we were privileged to be able to go to family and friends. And, and I can kind of talk through the process quickly, but like after you have a business plan, you know, you've worked through some of those hard questions, having to ask yourself, how are you gonna prove this thing actually works? Then you can, you know, repurpose that for an investor presentation, ask investors to sign NDAs. Yes, even if they're just your mama, you know, and your your auntie, they need to sign a non-disclosure agreement too, right? You present to them, they're gonna ask you questions. And every time they ask you questions, it's just making it making your business better. So don't think of it as like, oh, there's something wrong. It's like you're helping me to improve my business. You know, they're gonna ask you questions and you just keep going through that process um, until you get your the investment capital you need. You communicate to folks when you have your soft close, which is I need to know how much I need to invest or you're gonna um, invest by this date. And your hard close is when I actually need the cash in my bank account. And that's important because you can have all the, the conversation you want, yeah. but when it comes to talking about when I'm gonna need this money, and that happened to us, you know, we had a guy that we we were like poolside at Hotel Zaza here in Houston, like talking through our, you know, pitch. And he was like, Oh yeah, you can put me down for ten thousand. I got y'all, yeah, whatever. When it came time to like getting that money, it was like crickets, right? So that you know really set us back because we were on a timeline and and on and on. So you want to make sure that you communicate all of that. But you know, going through that process, um, we were able to get the funding we needed from family and friends. Some of them were my colleagues in New York, so it was a privilege of me to even have those people in my network. But I know that's not the case for everybody. So I think when it comes to investors, you know, investors mostly care about getting their money back, right? <laughs> they just want to get their money back, and so to the extent that you can prove that to them that they will get their money back, they'll be, you know, in. Same with a bank. In a bank, of course, a little bit more stringent. They had, there's more like hurdles to kind of go through with a bank because it's an institution. But if you have someone in your network or someone who knows someone, you know, you can say, hey, can I pitch my business idea to you? And if you've gone through the process of developing a business plan, and I say that because, you know, you're not just putting words on a paper. You're going through this process of saying, well, what is the market like? Do will people actually buy this? Is the problem I'm solving like valid enough, right? Like, how am I doing this uniquely? There's a lot of other hair salons out there or restaurants out there or whatever it is you're launching, right? So so when you go through that process, you can really get your um, pitch strong so that when you go to investors, you can say, look, I have it planned out. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make when going to investors is not having their their you know stuff together <laughs> for lack of a better word and so then now the investor is sensing okay there's a lot of holes here and i'm not going to be able to move forward with the investment so there's definitely some work you can do around that but i think you know one of the biggest mistakes that i see people making is saying eh, i don't need a lawyer i don't need a cpa and really kind of hurting their business down the road because to your point of like an llc especially if you're an influencer and you have a big brand, there are people out there who are just trying to come take you down, you know, right? So if you don't have an LLC and there's no, um, what is it called? Like the the uh, wall, I can't think of the wording right now, but there's a, uh, there's a wall that it basically creates um, whenever, it's called cor uh, piercing the corporate veil is what it's called. So 
whenever you have your LLC set up, it's a it's a wall between your personal assets and your business assets. And as long as you don't pierce that corporate veil, they can't come after your personal assets, like your house, your investment account, you know, your car. But they, if you don't have that LLC set up, then they can, when they if they wanted to sue you, they could come after your personal assets as well. So people just don't know that. And they think, oh, it won't be me. I won't, you know, no one's going to sue me. And then they're the one who <laughs> gets sued. And then it's like, oh man, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really serious. And I don't think people really understand the implications. So that's been something that for me, like there's just so much I've had to learn the hard way because I just did not know. But then that's something for me where I was like, oh, okay, so I need to do this. I need to set this LLC up. I need to set up this bank account. I need to separate this money out. Like that has been definitely a learning and growing process for me to have to figure out and develop and you have to get those things in order. And it might, it, I know so many things seem so daunting, but there's so many resources out there. There's so much information for people to be able to learn this stuff, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast, Ashley, so people could get to know who you are and they can connect with your business. Um, because I believe in connecting people with somebody that I trust. And so I feel like you have such a good voice in that. And y'all, I just, I love Ashley's post. I love her business stuff, her podcast. There's just so many free resources that she offers. Um, And there's also plenty of ways that you can hire Ashley and pay her for the work that she does um, that can help you with your businesses. But why I wanted to bring her on the podcast is because she's not like this people, which they're great people, but she's not on the beach selling you some kind of, if you do this, you can have this. Because I am just a believer that all of our lives are very, very different. And there is no guarantee that what works for you will work for me. And yes, so that's why I wanted you to be here. Girl, and I love that you said that I actually have a post that I like in the docket about exactly that. Like people say, I'll guarantee you X amount of followers. I guarantee you this much in revenue. How can you guarantee anybody anything? You don't know their life, you know? You don't know what might pop up. You don't know their resources or their bandwidth or their motivation, right? Like I think at the end of the day, like if you feel like you have something special, you got to just know that you're going to have to work at it day in and day out and be consistent with 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 putting in the work to getting those results you want to see, right? No, no one program or one whatever is going to bring that to you. You're going to have to, at the end of the day, put in the work, you know? Um, and so I think that's really important. So one, one question that I want to ask is for people, like, how can they find you on your website, things like that? And then I'm going to have a PS question that I'm going to ask you afterwards. But I want to make sure that people know exactly where to find you, um, what you do in your business that could potentially be of benefit to people with small businesses or influencers, what have you. So take, take it away. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm at HeyBirdWilliams. And my website is birdwilliams.com. I am a business strategist. So you're going to come to me and get strategy to launch your business, to grow your business, to put those systems in place. And one, like I talked a lot about here, is the, the business plan. So I believe it's so important to have you know, this framework um, as you begin to, like I said, launch and grow your business of, like I said, those four pillars. Number one is foundation. Number two is financial. Number three is operations. And number four is marketing. 
you know, when you can do the work to answer the hard questions around that, um, I think it'll really help set you up for success. So um, that's all on my website. And I would love to, I also do strategy sessions as well. So if you want to really deep dive into one area of your business, you can find all that information on my, on my website. And yes, I have my podcast too. So there's tons of free resources there. Um, again, I want to be the resource that I wish I had when we first launched and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't even know what I didn't know. You know, I didn't know what to look out for. So I'm trying to be that resource to small business owners. I love it. And you all need to take advantage of connecting with Ashley all over social media. Find her on Instagram. Okay, here's the bonus question that I want to ask about. Um, there's a lot of different people that listen to the podcast, but some people don't have kids yet. So what are your thoughts on motherhood and entrepreneurship? You know, people a lot of times feel like, okay, having children can be kind of like a nail in the coffin. Your life is over. And this is especially something that I've even seen from like Gen Z. It's like kids like end everything. Okay. So that's kind of like a lot of their like perception of having children. And so I... I have a lot of other thoughts about that. I'm not going to go into them, you know, now because it'll lead us on a different rabbit trail. But I do want to know how has it been with motherhood? Um, you're also married, having, a, you know, several businesses and, you know, you're still doing them, right? So you have not stopped those things and you still have children. So I would love to know a little bit more about that just for the people who might need a different perspective than maybe what they've seen or or heard and maybe this could encourage some people yes oh my goodness so no that has not been my experience <laughs> i think if anything kids have really fueled my motivation toward what i'm doing right also um kids are are like really good at making you get your systems together right before it was like oh i could pull an all-nighter no big deal now it's like my child is going to be waking up at 6 a.m whether i want to or not right and so i think i've really had to work with like getting things tightened up um but i mean i've always wanted to be a mom that was always so important to me so i think that that's a part of my value system i have friends who just don't really you don't want to have kids and that's fine too. I have a, a friend who is a financial planner and she, it was kind of in the middle. She wasn't like me where it was like really super excited to, you know, start a family and all of this, but she wanted to have kids and she was very afraid of what it would, what it would, you know, do for her business. And I think she would say that her business has really taken off since, right? So it all depends on the resources you have of time and money and energy, right? Cause that's going to look different for everybody. But I mean, for me, my kids are my are part of my legacy, right? So I I kind of view it differently. I think that I'll be honest, and you know I'm always going to keep it real. <laughs> I could not have launched the league the way I did my gym business back like we did back in 2013 today with three kids, right? So it would it would have had to look very different. We would have either had to raise more money to hire people to do certain things or not done it that way, right? Because it's just like, it's just a lot. I, I cannot see, I, we, me and Terry joke about this. We're like, how would we have done it with three kids? Don't know. Not saying it would have been impossible. It would have had to just look a lot different. So, I mean, that's something to consider, but I would say that if you don't have kids and you're considering entrepreneurship, you know, 
I don't want to say like, don't wait, but it's like, go ahead and get that started. Cause you're not going to, you know, you're never going to have this much freedom of time and space and energy. But then I, I see a lot of people who aren't as motivated because, you know, maybe they don't have anything to keep, to keep them motivated. If that makes sense. It's not to place judgment, whether you have kids or not. It's just that you have a different level of motivation when you have other little humans to, um, to, to take care of. Right. So I think that would be my two cents on that. Yeah, I think just considering those things, like it's really practical, right? Like, okay, so if we we have three kids now, we probably wouldn't have been able to do what we did then before we had, you know, children. And so I think those considerations are just healthy, normal life considerations, right? And so I think with any decision, whether you want to have children or you don't want to have kids, there's nothing wrong if you don't want to have kids. There's a lot of people that are feel happy and fulfilled in their life without children. But if you do want to have children, think about, is there a business idea that you have? Is there something you want to do? And is now the time when you have the most margin of time to start, even if that's on the side of your nine to five and not like, you know, you're full fledged in entrepreneurship and you're just solely working for yourself. I think there's something to be said about considering what it might look like to start some different business ideas while you have that extra time before it's reallocated, right? Before your energy is allocated in different places. But I also hear what you're saying as far as too, like this is also part of like your legacy, your children, and it is a motivator to keep, you know, going and doing the things, you know, that you want to do and getting it done and having a good system, which is also why it's important to work with professionals who know the systems that are going to work well for you. (laughs) So that way you actually have the right, (laughs) you have the right system that's going to be, you know, successful and profitable. So I really love that. I would also say that, you know, think about your, your village, right? So we live in Houston, Texas. My mom is about an hour away, but they're her first grandchildren. So she's like here for it. Okay. She's like, we're getting our kids tonight and she's going to have them this weekend actually. And she's just so happy to. Terry's mom, Mignon, oh my goodness, she helps us so much. So we have that support, but I also have friends who, you know, don't have their family around. Right. So that looks like babysitters or a nanny or other things. So just also think about as you're, you know, planning your life and thinking about where you're going to live or what have you, um, you know, what, what your village looks like for sure. Yeah. I think that we have, you know, probably underestimated, um, what it looks like to raise kids in some aspects. Communal care is just essential. I think that's something that my brother and I talk about a lot. It's something that we value um, as a family. It's why I'm probably always with my niece and nephew, spending a bunch of time with them. Family is important, you know, if you have it, um, close friends that are like family, people that can help you um, navigate especially the little stage is so helpful. So I love that you mentioned that having that village. So really it's what I'm hearing from you um, and what I've seen in others who have young children and are managing business is there is 
limitless possibilities. You just have to assess what those possibilities are for you specifically, what you're going to sacrifice, what you're giving up, um, where your people are. Are you going to move to a place to where you have more familial support if you want to do some more business kind of entrepreneurial things and you need more support um, with childcare, things like that. So it's kind of like assessing your whole entire life, which can seem cumbersome for people, but assessing your life and making those decisions for your business and, you know, the things that you might want to do or try based on what will put me in the position to be the most successful in the business that I want to build. Absolutely. Oh, that was so well said. I love it. (laughs) I really just want people to like come away from this, like encouraged, you know, but have like to sum things up for people because I think it can be hard and, and people just need to consider like, hey, it might take a little extra on my part, but it's possible. It's not that it's impossible. It's not that I'm giving up everything. It's not that we never traveled again. It's that we made different sacrifices based on our lives and our family to make this work. And it's possible. You just have to have the mindset of, I might give up some things and that's okay. Right. And I think also just one last thing is that like, I think people think of entrepreneurship and they can be like, oh man, it's so scary. There's all these things like LLC and business bank account or, you know, attorney. But like you think about it in your nine to five or in your life, you've done really hard things. Like you can do hard things, right? So you have to remind yourself of that. And no, it might not be look, it might not look like, you know, getting a pitch deck together or, you know, something you've done on your job, but you can use those same you know, strengths that you have in entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship as a mom or a dad, right? So you can do hard things. It's going to look different, but you have the capability to actually do it. You're going to have to just, you know, see it transform in this new space, if that makes sense. I love that. And I think we're just going to leave it there because people need to hear that. So we're going to do a really quick segment. It's our favorite segment and everyone else's. It's called Go Off Sis. What's up, everybody? It is time for your favorite segment and really mine too. Go off, sis. Okay, it's just me this week. I absolutely loved this episode with Ashley. She's incredible, a brilliant friend. And you know what? I'm inspired as a black woman. So here's what I'm going to tell you about two things. The mess that I have spent so many years without living in a cold state. I am so glad I was born in Chicago, then I was raised in Texas. I'm so glad to live outside of D.C. right now, and the weather is impeccable. It is so amazing. How did I miss out on this? That's the mess. My bless is Black Women in Business and Entrepreneurship. Let me tell you about, about a program that you might not have heard of. It is a program that Bank of America has with Cornell University for their Women's Entrepreneurship Business Program. I have done it and it is phenomenal. They actually have scholarships. So I would love for you all to go check it out and see if you can please um, join it and sign up. If you are a woman in business, a black woman, you're interested, and I think even women of color, you might be able to get a scholarship and do this program. Go check it out. It's a partnership between Bank of America and Cornell University, a women's entrepreneurship and business program, and Bank of America helps provide scholarships. Please check that out and get into it. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Melanated Faith and go off, sis. See you next week.